Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And... Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. Experience in the business setting of sports is crucial no matter what role you have or what role you want in the future. Our next guest spent the majority of his career grinding in the minor leagues. And I'm excited to have Adam Winslow, Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of the Florida Everblades in Hertz Arena. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Glad to be here. Adam, very excited to have you and dive into your career and you know, back to the beginning, you grew up in Auburn, New York, and you've spent the majority of your career in minor league sports. And, and as you think back to even growing up, was it just your always your dream to work in sports? You know, I don't think it was directly. Um, actually, I know I remember being in middle school, um, high school, like I'm going to predate myself here with the internet. You know, the internet was <laughs> kind of new, so I knew what life was like before the internet. Yeah. So computer science was something that's truly intrigued me. Um, as I got older through high school, you know, playing hockey, I was kind of a late bloomer playing hockey. I played juniors and I was able to play college. So I really loved the game more and more as I got older. And I knew that the the dream of playing in the show wasn't going to be wasn't going to be there. So what was the next best thing? And, you know, I got to learn the the idea of that. Actually, it's a business side of it. And there's there's people that run behind the scenes. So that's really when I started. Um, I actually kind of dual majored. Uh, sport management business and phys ed because actually my parents, um, quick story, my parents didn't think that uh, we were, you know, it was a real job. You yeah. know, so it was like, well, why don't you go to physical education and be a, you know, physical education teacher? And I said, okay, well, what if I tried to do both and see kind of where it lands, you know? So, and as I went through the curriculum more and more, I realized that the business side was definitely more for me than, than the physical education side. I'm pretty sure I still have friends that don't think it's a real job. They don't understand the yeah. sports business. So, you know, and, and to that point, Adam, you know, while attending SUNY Brockport, you received that that degree in, in both sports management and physical education. And you mentioned you were on the hockey team as well. And so what is one thing you took away from your collegiate playing experience that you still apply to your everyday? I think, you know, the, the one thing that sticks out for me probably the most that I heard from playing hockey and going through all types of team related things, whether it's a business, um, is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far you know, if you want to go to far, go together type scenario that African proverb, I believe it is. So, you know, that is true in anything I think you do. Um, you know, I don't think you're alone. And, you know, from playing in a team atmosphere, whether no matter what sport it is or what curriculum or whatever the case may be, I think that's a huge, huge thing to understand that the the, the farther you want to go, you got to go with other people. You have to go together. You know, I, I can score 100 goals all day, every day, but if we give up 100 goals or we don't have a goalie or a defense, it doesn't matter. So yeah. I would definitely say that piece of it that, you know, you can't – for you to grow as a person, no matter what you want to do and succeed, you can't do it yourself. It's it's impossible. You know, and, and speaking on growth, Adam, from your end, you embark on this career in this sports business. You land an internship and then ultimately a full-time role with the Rochester Americans, Nighthawks, Rhinos, and Rattlers. And you spend almost eight years there with the organization. 
What do you feel like you did on such a continuous basis, especially early on in your career there, to continue to get elevated? I think there's a few things, and they're, they're really, I, I feel, are basic. Um, I think asking questions, um, communicating the best you can um, with anybody. You know, you don't know everything in the world. Um, I think, in it, you know, you you know, you can try to pretend you know it all, but in the grand scheme of it, you, you don't. Um, I think accountability is huge. My parents really, really brought me up in accountability. Like you own every project, you own every task. You know, there's, you have that mentality of moving yourself forward. I think that's part of it. And then just being self-aware, you know, self-aware of the, your strengths, self-aware of your weaknesses, um, putting the time in where you need to, studying the craft, you know, knowing that you can look at other organizations, other people, other industries, and how does that apply to yours specifically? And how do you tailor it to where at the end of the day, it helps helps what you're trying to achieve, the goal you're trying to achieve. So I think those are the the really big things that I, I really, really felt were important. And, and it was something I was raised by my mom and dad. You ultimately worked your way up to the vice president of ticketing there. And, and what do you feel like on the flip side, you just talked about what you were doing to get promoted. What do you feel like, you know, top organizations like that did so well to help retain top employees like yourself for so long? I think listening is a huge piece, you know, in Rochester, I worked for an owner and a president who, you know, was so busy, but he would listen, you know, if you, if you could, if you could, uh, I guess, muster the energy to get up and ask him a question, you know, um, and, and sit down with him, he would take the time with you and he would listen. Um, and then you'd start to get into those, you know, what, you know, you're kind of proactive on a personal review, you know, as, as most organizations should do. And, and a lot of organizations do, annual reviews and such. Um, I always wanted to be proactive. I almost did my own monthly review with my supervisor or somebody. So I knew exactly where I stood and where they felt I could in, improve. And, and I was okay with that. Again, it goes back to, I think, self-awareness in a sense of, you know, knowing that you can always improve and what are those assets for you to get larger and, and ask those bold questions, you know, as a 23 year old, you know, how do I get to this level? This is where I think I want to be. How do I get there? You know, it's hard to ask that question, but once you do, there's people that will provide feedback for you that helps grow your road, right? I think that's great advice, right? It's one, being willing to ask, and then two, and probably most importantly, be willing to listen, you mm-hmm. know, and, and take it on in. And you know, Adam, much of the understanding and certainly past guests on 52 Weeks of Hustle that have worked in the minor leagues is is you're really able to gain experience doing a little bit of everything. And so what's it like for you and your team knowing that it may be selling tickets one day, helping with a community event the next, and you know maybe even being a mascot on another day? I think it is tremendously undervalued and super beneficial to anybody, especially when you start out in your career, to understand how to do other departmental jobs or chip in, whether it's, you know, when you go pull tarp at a baseball team, um, you know, you get an understanding and appreciation for the grounds crew or the operations crew that have to do that every day, um, you know, to have to chip in because the food and beverage lines are too long. Um, you got to hop in and help cook or help, you know, just serve or help, you know, understand a POS system and take cash. And, you know, if you, you have a certain appreciation for every department that actually runs the business, you know, Sales is super important. Uh, revenue is super important, but also executing and that fan experience is just as important because you want them to come back. So I, I think that's a such a, a benefit, you know, and I think that's happened in my career too, is, you know, I've been able to, I can talk to the head of food and beverage and I can talk to the head of ops, understanding what they go through every day. And then how does that apply and how do we help each other? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're trying to do. No, that's awesome. And 
you, Adam, for your end, after having twin boys years ago, you made the decision to actually get out of sports for several years. So what's your advice to listeners on, on being able to make some of those difficult decisions? This is a good one. Um, I think difficult decisions are going to come um, no matter what. You're not going to stop them. You know, they're inevitable in anybody's life, lifetime. Um, I think being patient, having a circle of trust, having people that you trust, whether it's a significant other, family, a best friend, you know, a pool of people, and being able to be transparent in, um, in, in communicating some of those decisions. You know, mine was, I'll say, fairly easy. You know, I had, you know, twin, twin boys. So trying to have, you know, one child, let alone two, and, and being there, I didn't want to be the dad that was never there. Um, especially in their in their their early stages of growth. So, you know, that was always a belief and value that I had um, that my family instilled in me too. So I think that was an easy decision for me. You know, the hardest part about making difficult decisions is you're not going to know whether that was right or wrong in your life until you actually make it anyways. So, you know, and then not stress on whether it was a difficult decision. You know, I got in, I got out, I got in. Um, I think it was all timing for me in certain situations because of my kids and I wanted to be there. But um, I think it, it, you just have to make those decisions and, and be confident that no matter what, whether it was right or wrong, you still have to go through that process. You know, after spending you know several years kind of out, you get the itch to get back into sports and it's first working for the Auburn Double Days. And then about four years ago, you head down to Fort Myers, Florida, working for the Florida Everblades where you're at now. What made you ultimately want to get back into sports? You know, I, it's my kids. Um you know, when my kids were really young, I was in baseball, one, two, three, three, four years old. Um, and I got out of it because I wanted to make sure that I was there, like I was just talking about. And, you know, where I was, where I was located, the ballpark and the hockey rink were next to each other. So I was driving my kids to practice one day because uh, I coached their hockey team. And and one of my sons said, you know, we're driving by the ballpark to get to the arena. And he says, Dad, why don't you work there anymore? <laughs> and it like. That still- landed. I still get choked up. Like, I'm like, I got crushed. Like he remembers that piece of it. And that really, that time, that moment um, really still sticks with me to this day that he, he remembered that piece of me. So, you know, that was the first focal point. And then an opportunity came about where I was able to get back in baseball. The timing was there and I wanted to, I wanted to get back not only the business I love, but also share the time, you know, with my family within that, within that industry. You know, as you think about your day to day now, as you know, not not only as the executive vice president, chief marketing officer, you think about there's a lot of departments that fall up under your leadership, quite a few different personalities, certainly different characteristics and even responsibilities. What's your advice on being able to have a customized leadership approach for everyone? My advice is we have to remember that we're all human beings and we come from every different walk of life, you know, so um I'll say, you know, I ha- I go back to my reference of my twin kids. I have one, you know, I call them the Irish and the Italian. One looks Irish, one looks Italian. You know, they're different in the sense of how you communicate with them. You know, that was probably really a huge learning transition for me in the leadership style is not everybody's the same. So understanding, you know, A, what do they want out of life or what do they want out of their career growth, I think is first and foremost. You know, how do we bridge that between what our company goals and vision is and strategic plan with that employee is also important. But what is important to them? What drives them every day? Specifically, some people are driven by money. Some people are driven by a pat on the back and then everything in between. You know, um, I think those those really matter. I think, you know, the other leadership customized approach I take is I work for them, not the other way around. 
Um, you know, yes, there's an organizational structure. Yes. There's somebody like myself in a, in a chair that has to be accountable for everything, but I work for them versus they work for me. That's the mentality or leadership approach I take. Um, they're involved in big decisions that, that matter because I want to understand each personality and what they bring and why and what scenario. So, you know, we take that personality analytical approach to understand and and it's so far, I, I think it's, you know, knock on wood, it's been successful. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're on 52 Weeks of Hustle with the guest today, Adam Winslow, Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for the Florida Everblades and Hertz Arena. And, you know, Adam, let's get into three hot topics. You know, first question one, we've talked a lot about your minor league experience. What is one thing that minor league teams do well that you believe most professional organizations should look to implement? Wow. Um, you know, being the diplomat that I am, you know, never judge a book by its cover in the sense of what other people are doing, but, you know, interdepartmental, you know, shadowing in, you know, I always go back to uh, the TV show where the boss goes on the undercover boss show. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, that, that to me makes complete sense. And as an eye opener, yeah, you know, some of those shows may be made for TV, but that's real. Like to sit with customer service, sit with operations, sit with, you know, um, you know, if you're in a trucking company or wholesale distribution company, being able to ride around with a driver to understand what his experience is like when you're trying to sell the product that's coming off the coming off the truck, like all that matters and how that how you see everything through from start to finish. That is so crucial. And again, I don't think, you know, even for our company, we don't do enough of that. We still do it, um, but maybe just not enough. And I, I think it just brings everybody closer together from a culture perspective and understanding that, you know, being self-aware of what they do is truly important. You have a question too, Adam. One of the many responsibilities you have in your current role is to bring in ancillary events such as as concerts, wrestling, Monster Jam, just to name a few. As you think about the scope of work, what's the difference from bringing events in versus running a sporting event or a hockey game? Dealing with all different types of people. You know, when you start, you talk about music and genre and shows, you know, the customer that goes to Disney on Ice is different that goes to a Pitbull show, that goes to a Chris Stapleton show, that may be different that goes to um, a hockey game. You know, I think that's different. I think what's different about shows and other events, you know, from a sporting event, typically anything that I've dealt with is, I've, you know, we've run or own the organization. We don't own that show or band where we're a tenant or we're, you know, we're, we're, we're bringing them in to, to run it. So working with promoters, working with artists, management team and agents and 
um, promotional team and production outside of, you know, what you own as a sporting event is completely different. And I think gives you a different, again, a different value or, or uh, uh, how do I want to word it? Um, appreciation for what they do. Um, and you, and know that in that side of it, you're a competition. So, yeah. you know, owning a hockey team, for example, we don't have another ECHL team that's close to us. Right. But everybody's trying to get, you know, Chris Stapleton in here, or Adam Sandler, or Kevin Hart, or Nate Pargazzi, or, you know, any of those, any shows and genres, everybody wants that business from an arena standpoint. So trying to be competitive in that side of it's completely different than, than working the supporting event side. You know, one of the keys you just talked about, everything's competitive though, right? It's, it's oh, not like you 100%. just come out and say, all right, Hey, let's go. It's, you've got to, you've got to compete with the other venues, the other industries, everything is, is all about competition. And finally, Adam, question three, we've discussed the value of people several times and working around the right people. And one of the first people you ever worked for in Rochester then ultimately came down to the Everblades. Um, mm-hmm. So what's your advice on being able to stay close and ensure you surround yourself with the right people that have the right mentality, mindset, and certainly care about you both personally and professionally? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think, you know, you have to build in yourself. What are your personal principles and values and, in, in, you know, your vision plan and your personal strategic plan? You know, then next to it, that side of it is you never know, you know, so the people that I've run into, you know, when I was 22 years old are on and bigger and better things that I've run into in completely different industries, completely different jobs, completely different mindsets, you know, and, you know, something that my, again, my mom and my mom and dad taught me was you never know when you're going to run into somebody, you know, again, it goes back to that adage, you know, treat how you want to be treated also. I think that's part of it, yep. you know, but you, you never know. It's, you know, for me, it's funny if you you look back at my story from where I started to where I am now, the pieces actually make a lot of sense um, in how it's all happened, I guess. But that doesn't mean I couldn't go any down any other path or any other road with somebody else. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it is you never, never know. And, you know, never count anything out. My wife will tell you to this day, she never thought she was going to move out of our small hometown ever, ever, you know, and now we talk about that. You know, we, we, you know, today we, we talk, we, we we're probably never going to go back, not because we don't like it, but because it's just, we've been able to give my kids an opportunity of something different outside of what we're used to. Um, and it just has seemed to work out. Adam, what a great career, certainly an exciting journey. And as you think back, what's been your best memory? Wow. So many. Um, I think there's a, there's an overarching one for me is, being able to share experiences um, with my kids at such a young age, it's really a memory for me, you know, them running through the clubhouse and, you know, meeting, you know, um, major league baseball players. And, you know, we used to house professional athletes when they, you know, we were a host family back where we were in baseball. We had that um, where those guys moved on to bigger and better things became major league baseball players. So that experience of interacting with, with guys like that behind the scenes, you know, the kids running the bases and being able to, they think they own the ballpark or the ice rink, you know, um, those are, those are things or memories that are priceless that, you know, they probably don't realize it now. Um, they think it's normal that this is their life, you know, but not every kid gets that, that scenario. Um, I was able to, there was a, there was one memory, one event I thought was pretty cool was, um, we hosted a, a naturalization ceremony um, where people from all over the world um, became a U.S. citizen. And we actually hosted that at the ballpark that I worked at in New York Penn League. So I, I got to see 60, 70 people become a U.S. citizen right then and there in front of the judge and oath and all that. I thought that was cool. You don't see that every day or be a part no. of it. And, 
to see the families, I guess, faces and joy for just something that I think, you know, if you're born here, you know, you kind of take for granted. Um, it was, that was something that will always, always stick with me. Adam, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. And as you think about closing out here, I like to put our guests on guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's rock and roll. You're in Florida. There's water. If you had a boat, what would you name it? Oh, it was all a dream. What's a fashion trend that you would love to see come back? Ah, tight roll jeans. Love it. If you could go to dinner with anyone, whether it be alive or passed away, who would it be? Oh, geez. This is a tough one. Um, so many. Um, I probably would say my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving uh, because there's not a, a gift exchange or an expectation. You know, it's just a, yeah. it's a conversation. So I'd probably say my parents, um, my sisters, um, you know, they're all alive here, but my, you know, three out of my four grandparents aren't. So probably to have dinner with them uh, one last time with my kids at my age now, I think would be, that would be pretty cool. Adam, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? You got to love the process. Um, you know, if you love the process, the results will come. Um, no doubt. You have to love what you do. Um, I'd say have gratitude. Um, life's too short. Um, enjoy it while you're here. And I would say, you know, that my grandfather taught me a long time ago about um, Teddy Roosevelt's the man in the arena quote, you know, his big speech about it's not the critic who counts, you know, it's not about the critic who counts. You're going to make mistakes, you know, and people are going to criticize you. But at the end of the day, if you're you're in that arena fighting every day, no matter what, we'd much rather have that person than the ones that are sitting in the stands critiquing what you're doing on a different basis. So those those would be the takeaways, I would say. Adam, thank you so much. What a great career. Always a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. I appreciate it. I, I really do. Thanks for the time and keep doing what you're doing. It's It matters every day. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.